If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. I'm Batman. This is the CU Podcast Halloween Edition for Tuesday, October 29, 2019. You can drop that voice right now. I'm Ian. <laughs> Robin's with me on this oh podcast my adventure. We're talking about Fallout 76 subscription service. EA games coming back to Steam, Nintendo Age, forums being shut down, potentially. Lion King, <laughs> SNES, and Sega Genesis, Aladdin carts. A million dollar game sale, uh, sale and uh, Q&A and blah, 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 Patreon poll hall. Happy Halloween, everyone. I'm wearing a, a, a Batman mask that I can barely breathe through. I'm, I'm sick still, so that's good. It's good to cut off my my nostrils when I can already not breathe that well. Uh, Ian, how's everything going? How 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 was it, the, the buy two get one free sale at Luna Video Games? Oh, it was busy. It was real busy. I was in um, I was in Chula, Chula Vista. Vista. In Chula Vista, I was in that one. Uh, that's the one that's generally a little bit slower. And uh, when we opened, we had um, four people walk in, two of whom had lists ready and just handed them to us. <laughs> and we started preparing. Fulfill them. Uh, like, like, I, like it's a, like a supermarket order? Yeah, I hadn't. I wasn't there like the night before, but I guess they had come in and, and scouted the, you know, looked at everything. And they were, smart. they were there at 1020 in the morning waiting in line. And uh they got everything they wanted, and uh, they they made out real well. They ended up picking up like complete box copies of Final Fantasy three and with all the maps and stuff. And they ended up, yeah, getting a lot of that stuff for for half off or nothing. The, qu- so. the question I always ask you was: There anything Pat would have wanted during these sales? Was I don't know. I, I don't. I don't look to see if there's anything I want anymore. Honestly, the like, no turbo stuff. Really, no like box NES games that might be worth it. Nope. Even. As time goes on, it's harder and harder for me to think of stuff that like I want. I want to see like weird hardware, etc. But even like Game Boy games and PC Engine, I don't like go crazy hunting for anymore. So I'm not really looking. Um, you know, it's it's when people themselves who are there find something cool, I go, oh hey, that's a good find. But well, I'm not really scouting it out myself before the sales anymore. For me, it was always just the whatever box NES games you might have that could be cool to pick up and. Turbo stuff, which was rare. That I mean, I never bought. I don't think I ever bought a turbo thing from your store uh, before. <clears throat> Maybe one thing, but I, I don't remember that. And then yeah, any, any other weird crap that was laying around? Like in the past, it was like Sega Master System games when I was trying to complete the collection, things like that. Beyond, um, um, yeah, I I can't. Yeah, when I can't even find enough Game Boy games to like personally take advantage of the the sale, it's it's it it it, it means that either I'm just not looking anymore, or we're, I'm not we're, we're old, we're not excited, we're, we're done. Yeah. Um, real quick, Ian, <clears throat> I just got word from uh, lovely Nancy at the warehouse. They are unloading my books right now. Oh, nice. They're. It's, I'm, I was trying to think how many how many tons of books it literally is. It's it's a lot of tons of books. It's literally tons of books, and they're un- unloading them now. So hopefully by the end of this week, all the pre-orders, they'll be starting to pack them. It's a lot of pre-orders and Kickstarter folks. Um, so go to ultimatesnes.com. 
get on that pre-order list before I pull that sucker down and send them out in the first batch in order that I can't, I can't breathe in this mask. Um, WWE 2K20 is an absolute fantastic mess of a game. And it just, it, it dropped about when we started doing the podcast a week ago. Yeah. I think. And I, I don't think people were prepared for how, how buggy and glitchy and unfinished a, a premium triple a title would be in 2019. There's a, there was a part of me that really wanted to, knowing that it would be a disaster. There was a part of me that really you knew wa- it was going to be. Well, <laughs> and I'm, I'll get to it. I mean, it was, it was it, in the lead up. It was fairly obvious that it was going to be a disaster. I don't think anyone thought it was going to be good. And I would have loved to have had just the spare money lying around to throw at it so I could see it from day one. But basically, Ukes, the developer who's been working on these, um, has been working on these games uh, going all the way back to the uh, the SmackDown titles on the PlayStation 1. Um, they are no longer working on the title. So starting, I think it was... Uh, I think it was like 2K14 was the first year that Visual Concepts... So Visual Concepts were is the team that did um, like uh, NFL 2K, NBA 2K. They were the... Uh, actually, I think Black Box might have been part of that. Too. Black Box! But anyways, they've been the 2K developers. So basically, they're trying to, they were trying to bring the WWE games in-house under the 2K banner. Okay. So Ukes mm. was working on them, but also Visual Concepts was working on them at the same time. This was the first year that they told Visual Concepts to go away. But So what happens is you've got a team taking over for another team. I thought they told uh, Ukes to go away. Yeah, that's what I mean. They told you went away. Oh, you said Visual Concepts went away. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. So Visual Concepts is the only one working on it this year. Visual Concepts is the only one working on it, okay. and they're working on tons and tons of just patched over code from years and years. This 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 engine hasn't received a reset or you know a, a, an overhaul and in, forever. In, in forever, when when it pulled over to 2K, I think it, like I said, I think it was 14. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong. That was the first year that they did um, the Visual Concepts you split. Um, I think everyone was expecting something very different, but it wasn't. You got a couple new systems in there, but it was still very much the same game that they had so always been putting antiquated out. Antiquated twenty-year engine, just about. Yeah, they we're keep like, building up upon exactly. This engine has been, you know, uh, the, the remnants of this go back twenty years, and uh, now that the team that has been, you know, that created it and developed it and been working on it over those two decades is gone. Visual Concepts is just left with this this hot mess. So you had all sorts of visual glitches. Um, you had instances of wrestlers just cloning themselves and appearing in multiple <laughs> spots in the ring, um, floating away, bouncing I, on the, the wrestlers bouncing on oh, the, the ropes. ropes. Yeah, and, the ropes going crazy. Yeah, uh, and I, I mean they're, they're contorting the bodies, and it was like weird. Like like it would like if, if if there was an object in the ring, the person would like start like crouching along, and it yeah. was really the physics were getting bent. In the game. And these games have always had, you know, their bugs and their problems, and now it's just, you know, this is the the, the critical point for it. Um, it really shows that, the I mean, it, it, it shows the weaknesses of these yearly yearly release models. Sure. You can't, you can't do this and expect to ever release a game that's going to come out and be polished. You're just playing catch-up. You're playing catch-up the entire time. And... Uh, especially with wrestling, I don't think a, a yearly release isn't necessary. Um, um, well, I, they, I, they, I, well, they treat it like football games yes, and NHL games. I, I get why you, you you do it, but for something like this to be fixed, you need to 
and I'm not saying I think EA fixed NBA Live, but you need to really take a step back and go, okay, we're not releasing anything next year. We have to do this different. Yeah, I don't think you do that. Well, I don't. Well, it, it, then you're never going to get a good game. Well, here's what they should have done. Obviously, they had a, a short turnaround time, being that if, if they're recoding it from scratch, just about they're like, "Fuck it, we don't want to deal with the." No, the they're not. Thing. They're they're not recoding anything from scratch. That's the problem. They're left with piles of code they no longer know how to use because oh, so their they, friends are gone. Oh, so the documentation was. They're not just doing this from scratch, basically. No, like I said, it's it, they're still trying to work with this. Oh, they should have mess, and they well, no longer have. That's what I was saying earlier. They no longer have the support of the people who, uh, you know, for better or for worse, created the mess. They're gone. They're left with the code, but not how to use it. Work with it. More or less. Well, then they should have just threw it all out and said, you know, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna just maybe not two years off, but maybe a year and a half. We'll see you spring two thousand twenty. Yeah, you need to, you or, need to uh, break the yearly cycle if you want this to be fixed in any way, shape. Because or it's form. not just the glitches. The fact that the graphics took a step back. You looked at the, the oh, yeah, detail. some of these models. The are, models are like, absolutely awful. They look like PS two, PS two, PS three. Yeah, early PS three. They look worse. You can't go back in time eight years on graphics. No, on a yearly series. And I understand that, like you know, there's a marketing campaign behind it, but and things like that. But I, I I read one report where like when they were testing it, like when people were given early access, I guess like some reporters, they saw these problems back then. Oh yeah. So it's like if the company knows it's going to be bad like this. Then delay it a few months, because they already announced they're going to come out with a patch within a couple weeks uh, for this stuff. So I mean, then did fucking delay it. Don't, uh, I mean, you're, you're going to lose more money in the long run because I, I hear about this like this is a joke. This release, yeah. I don't care about the shareholders. It, you know, when you're going to lose money long term, yeah, you're going to get some profit still from the pre-orders and everything else. But the bad word of mouth can kill you. Over years, when but stuff like this happens, the truth is, I don't think I, I, I don't think they'll suffer much for it at all. Um, it's the only WWE game out there. It's the only regularly released wrestling game. Um, we do have Fire Pro now, but Fire and Fire Pro is great in my preference. But it's a it's it's a different game for a totally different market. Yeah, this is it. Um, people are going to buy it regardless. It really doesn't matter if they release crap, and a lot of people are. In some instances, I'm glad that we have patches to fall back on, but people have become numb. They buy it, and they just, instead of going, I bought a game that sucks, I shouldn't have bought it, I should have waited a year, they go, I bought a game that sucks, now let's play the patch waiting game. And they hope that the thing that they bought turns into a good game, and I think people buy this now going into it knowing that it's going to happen with their fingers crossed because it's the only wrestling game out there that they can buy. According to this GameStop article, Ian, it looks like... uh they did recode a lot of the game, probably because they couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. Well, okay, so I, well, all I'm getting at is it's not like a brand new engine. They're still okay. they're still cobbling together bits and pieces of but, what they've been cobbling sure. together for 20 years. Yeah, it's so, not. It was not a fully not scratch, scratch game. No, yeah, well, that's all I'm getting. Well, at is wrestling that it was not game from scratch. A, a, a wrestling game engine is so freaking complicated. I can't, you know, there's nothing like out of the box you can probably, you know, do for that versus other types of genres that I, I just, the horror of them having to do this in, what, nine, ten months to yeah. get this thing out is insane. Besides, obviously, doing all the new character well, and models that, and, and that's new the feature. thing, like, I do genuinely feel bad for the people who yeah. worked on the game because they're in an impossible situation. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. it, it, it's not the, the developers that I feel, you know, that I, I have anger towards. It's the fact that, you know, um, marketing and, you know, uh, uh, production, what's the word I'm looking for? They need to tone it down. They need to say, you get an extra six <clears throat> months this year. And then, and then according to this, the, the most fun part of the game, WWE Originals, was, wasn't was available at launch and won't arrive until October 28th. That's Paul, the creator wrestler? 
uh, the originals mode. I don't know what that okay. is. Okay, I thought it, I thought there was like I thought there was, like, there was I like, read was, something where the creator wrestler wasn't in from the beginning either, which uh, is just nuts. Or like create a belt but wasn't or something. Yeah, there, no, creator wrestler's in there. Uh, oh yeah, create a belt. That that's yeah, what it was. Becky Lynch's face wasn't though. I saw the horrifying images of like yeah, like just no a skinless Becky Lynch yeah. face. Yeah, it's just like the fucking eyeballs floating. <laughs> it, was, it was like what the hell? Yeah, uh, yeah create a title wasn't in there at the beginning. So the patch is going to come, and then who knows? This is going to be patched all the way up until until next year, next year's release, probably at this point. Well, hopefully, another reason to root for AEW is that they'll probably put out their own wrestling game a year from now, and then you'll have some sort of choice at least, you know, in the marketplace. I have to wonder personally if that's where Ux is heading, because I mean, Ux has been a, I mean, they are one of the premier wrestling game developers. Like they developed the. Uh, the New Japan games back in the day, and then they did the SmackDown games. So, I mean, they got their... They, they, that's really what they're known for. I wonder with AEW being bigger and, you know, they're sensibly an- big in Japan. They announced a game already that they're yeah. doing one. So, so I wonder... I, I, I should probably look into that. I wonder if that's the truth, but maybe Yuke's and, is on it. And and the the, uh, the ratings have, have maintained pretty good levels for AEW after the first week, even though they tailed off a little bit. They're still pretty, pretty good uh, four weeks in. Uh, there. So, all right, that's a that's a that's a fun mess. Whoa, is that my computer? That's your computer. What the heck was that? That was an autoplay ad uh, on there um, uh, for Call of Duty: Modern Warfare. Um, so, the other thing I was going to talk about: uh, Mandalorian. The final trailer came out, and you actually hear Pedro Pascal uh, speaking in the trailer. He's, he says one line at the end, or we don't have to watch the trailer. But it looks fantastic, this series. Yeah, I mean... I, I might I, have to wait till they're, they're not doing a Netflix thing. They're doing one a week, uh, which is smart because you keep people on the platform. Uh, I, might, I might wait You till, keep people on the platform and you create that... Buzz for each episode. You, yeah, you create yeah. The, the, the social TV watching thing. I, I, never I saw don't the advantage. mind that. Yeah, I never saw the advantage of releasing every single episode on one day for marketing standpoint. Unless you unless, on a marketing standpoint, I don't. I mean, I get it. But it's a great way to watch TV least, if, you, if you're sick, or I mean, boom, I can just binge this whole thing. Or but, do the first like four episodes, and then sure. you do them. Every, you know what I mean? Like, do something like that, and then do them every week. But uh, you know, I'll probably wait a couple months before I get to Disney uh, Plus because there's not a lot on there. I think that's when it launches, I'm going to want to see necessarily. If Ducktales uh, is on there at launch, I'll probably cut something <laughs> and add that. No, because I didn't get a chance to catch up that, and watch season that, two. Is that not on? Uh, oh, the new one. Not yeah, the, the new one. one. I was saying, is that not on Hulu or I anything? I, did, I, did, I don't believe so. And like I said, I didn't watch season two, and I really enjoyed what I saw of season one. I saw one, one episode it was, of it. It was a great cartoon. It looked cute. Uh, one, one episode. It looked, looked clever. It looked cute there. But yeah, so I'm excited for the Mandalorian trailer. And uh, uh, Halloween's coming up, Ian. You bought, you bought your candy? I got my bag from Costco on the way. My no, I didn't buy any candy. Piece of candy. Also, I don't need the temptation. Oh, you don't give out candy? I, I, we don't get anyone. Like I'll uh, I'll get a bag of candy I'll get, I'll beforehand and I'll put it out there and then I'll end up giving when no one touches it. I will give it to the kids who live two apartment doors over. I'll just be like, here's all this candy. Gotcha. All right, Ian. Yes. Uh, you, 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 we don't talk about Fallout seventy six enough. Well, I mean, we liking. did. We talked about it plenty when it came out. And there hasn't been a whole <laughs> lot to say until now. Um, so it was announced that Fallout seventy six has a subscription service. It's called Fallout First. And are you ready for this, Patrick? Are I'm you ready? ready for this. Are you ready for this? It's ninety nine ninety nine a year or thirteen dollars a month. What? What? Can you say it to my bat ear? How much $100 is it? dollars a year or thirteen dollars a month? Which by Pat meant to be like a hundred. Was that a hundred and forty dollars? So here's what you get. 
If you just besides what, the, what besides a fucking fucking fist in your ass, you get <laughs> private worlds for yourself and up to seven friends. A scrap box with unlimited storage for crafting materials. A survival tent that acts as a placeable fast travel point. One thousand six hundred and fifty <laughs> atoms for a month. Uh, a month for the game shop. Currency. An exclusive ranger armor outfit. Unique icons and emotes. So, emote. when you read the announcement for this, things like private worlds. These are things that people wanted from before the game came out. When people started to find out that this was going to be an online game, people ba- like were like, whoa, 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 back it up. Can we like play privately? Do we have to play yeah, our, with our other little, people? Our little world. Yeah. Because Fallout, the Fallout series was always single player. You know, um, I was disappointed when Fallout 76 was announced because even though I didn't like Fallout 4 as much as, you know, uh, 3 New Vegas and even the originals, but those were so different. Um, that I I I play those games to get lost in a world by myself and not have to worry about anyone else dealing with gr- uh, gr- griefers or other yeah. people. Yeah, and, and even like yeah. it can be fun sometimes, but that's just never how I looked at Fallout. That's never how I played Fallout. So I passed on it. Well, now they're adding the private stuff, and they're charging for it, and I the backlash has just been. I would say incredible or unbelievable, but it's 100% believable incredible. Um, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's nonsense. So, uh, I mean, going further down... So these are things that should have been in the game to begin with. These are things that are, you know, generally considered, um, you know, important. And uh, now you're being charged. And you can't even just buy them all at once. It's not a DLC pack that lets you do it. It's recurring. And I think the thing that stings the most, actually, is... And I see this happening a lot more with um, games that have free-to-play mechanics or microtransactions. It's the, pay us money, and we'll give you a limited amount of money of our in-game service, our, our in-game currency every month. Um, Mario Kart on the phone, we talked about it, did that yeah. with, the, with the, pay $5 a month, and we'll give you a little bit more of this premium currency that, that you can use a month. It's like paying for a parent to give you an allowance. It's fucking insane. I, like, it, I, I don't know. I, I find the whole thing to be just mind-blowing. And, uh, I mean, this is about as angry as I can get about it. It's not going to affect me. I'm just not going to play it. But I don't know how they can do this and really expect that they're going to oh. get... I, people who paid for this service are already getting griefed on in the game. Because um, you get like an icon that's, that's saying you're paying a hundred dollars. That says that you you know you're a Fallout First subscriber, and, people, and uh, yeah, people have been like going after those people specifically. Oh like you God. know, you're in a shootout and you see someone with that icon, and everyone just stops and they're like, "Get that man!" Because the game at this point costs like twenty bucks. It's been I have no a, idea. It's been out for a year, right? So no idea what it costs. What does this What does this game cost at this point? Um, I'm looking. Uh, look at on Steam. Fallout seventy six Steam. Fallout 76 shopping, uh, you can buy it for, yeah, $19.99 at Best Buy for PC. Okay. So, you have a game that's been out for a year. This company made their money. They decided not to do the, do, you or know. Or didn't make the money they or thought didn't they make were going the money to make. Because that's, they didn't, that's the problem. Because they didn't have the single player people wanted. So now, they wait a year, they complete it, which isn't even, it's not even a single player, it's just having your own sandbox, sounds like, right? Well, and yeah. that, here's the thing, um, get this, it doesn't even allow for mods and stuff yet. And they're thinking about allowing that. And that would be, if I'm not mistaken, the first time that Bethesda's charged you uh, to be able to mod stuff. 
because they're saying that they're thinking about adding mods to the private servers, but only the only the private servers. Only so so only the pro- owner sense. of a private world has to be a Fallout first member. So if I'm dumb enough in getting it, we can split the cost, and then you can come into my sure. What, not necessarily. I guess it's a server, your own server at that. But point. as soon as you stop um, playing or paying, then it goes, it goes back away. to yeah. Huh. So it's the person who creates the private world has to be private the Fallout worlds first will have the same rule set as the public adventure mode, and it can't currently be changed. However, Bethesda promises that private worlds will get more features in the future, including the possibility of mod support. Just give it all the same shit, then. Um, so, obviously, if, if some people are buying it, they want this. But it's it, it, They begrudgingly want this. I don't think anyone looked at this and said, thank you, Bethesda. Even if this was, like, um, a standalone $50, you pay it once, I, I think people would... I think it's still egregious at that point, just because it is. Edit just to edit to the, a, a package together with the original or DLC to add on. This is I, stuff I that I think it. people would normally expect to be free upgrades to a game that was released in the state that it was in that we yeah. reported on for two months. It was bad, you know, bugs fixing like patches fixing certain bugs but introducing new ones. Um, and it's, and I, I get not... it. Like, if, if you really like the, the idea of the game, if it's been patched to the point where it, there have been times where I've bought things that I didn't want to buy because I like the game and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to bite my lip and, and grit my teeth and do it. But this is one of those instances where I think it's even a, it's a step too far. I don't think I would be able to 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 do it and swallow my and, pride if I liked the game. And we talk about games as as a subscription service. That's 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 the new trend. But this isn't even a subscription service. I'm looking at like you just get some DLC bullshit uh that you can just they should just offer it separately like the survival tent or the scrap box with unlimited storage for crafting materials. This isn't even a subscription service. So it's it's not even it's only a subscription service in the sense that you're paying monthly. That's basically the only reason why it's a subscription. You know what I mean? You're not getting anything. Sure. Not a normal subscription service. You're not getting like a, like a cam- a new campaign every month or you know it it's it's um yeah. Yeah. It's it's icky. It's icky. I can't believe they thought this would go over well. I don't think they thought it would go over well. I I am $100 a year? I can see a lot of people, I hope a lot of people in Bethesda fought this tooth and nail all the way out. But someone said, we made a bad game, and our bad game didn't make us enough money, and that makes us sad, so we're going to release bad additional monetary. <laughs> like, we're going to make you, we're going to, you know, essentially charge five times the amount that you can buy the game a brand new a year later. That's what they're charging for, for one year yes. to play it. Five times the amount. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's, it's very cynical. There's nothing good about this. If you wanted to say, okay, we'll charge you 20 bucks a year, because we understand what the game costs, I'd be like, okay, I can kind of wrap my head around that, but five times the amount for very little more. I mean, very little more of a game. Yeah, you're just getting the stuff that most people, I think, would have expected to be there at launch. Oh, my God. And you can't even buy it outright. Well, that's interesting, Ian. I, I guess... Uh... All right. Well, here's to those those plucky subscription Fallout 76 people getting getting crapped on in in, in the world uh, in the regular world. The adventure. I, I, I feel bad for <laughs> Fallout fans. I, I like I can see some of them doing this because they want to squeeze something good out of the game. And the idea, the basic idea of an online Fallout game has merit. But this isn't it. All right, Ian. Yeah. News from my my favorite website, Nintendo Age. So we reported on Nintendo, which being bought out by Go Collect, sold. We did uh, by Dane. Uh, was that four months ago? It wasn't a huge amount long ago. It was like I think it was in the summer or early summer. So already the plans are in place. 
they're gonna they're gonna switch servers. Uh, mm. Gold collect, and so um, this this news came about about a week ago only. We're recording this on the 29th. That's why Pat has his his little Patman mask on, and. Uh, obviously, a lot of people were upset by the lack of communication, and there wasn't a huge amount of communication when the original uh, sale went through. Mods weren't made aware. Uh, people weren't sure what was going to happen to their information. So it's been in flux, in flux of the past week. And the biggest thing people are concerned about is that when you switch servers to a new server, uh, usually the old information isn't carried over. There's no way to carry over the old posts, and there's a treasure trove of information on Nintendo Age. And I give Nintendo Age uh, some grief because some of the members will say are overzealous and, and pricks on the site, but there's a there's good people on the site, and there's a lot of information on the site that that's like the only place you can still find it. Right. Uh, yeah, what, I mean, it's a, it's a it's definitely a resource. Uh, for example, uh, one of the, the cool things on the site uh, I liked was um, there was a whole thread about all the... Uh, you'll hear about the M82. The M is like Nintendo's demonstration unit code. So there's a whole list of all the M units Nintendo put out from like one to, it's like 160 up to modern day. All the demonstration kiosks and units and it cataloged them. And there wasn't a place to find all that in one place with pictures and descriptions from like the brochures that the, you know, a store get, oh, I want this unit. I want this. It was like for a lot of people, the first time or only time you could find a picture of like all the early, you know, Rob setups and, and the stores and things like that. So there's a lot of information like that that's on the site. Besides back in the day, not so much anymore, where a lot of the, the news about games being dumped or found or big sales happened on Nintendo Age. Right. Like five, six, seven years ago, not so much the past few years. Um, so people were rightfully scared about this. They had no idea. So I saw some tweets online about like asking uh, website archive uh sites to please archive this just in case things of that nature um so now we're hearing that according to uh this thread on nintendo age that they are looking to back this up that's the good news um but uh, it, it has not uh appeased the longtime standing members of, of the of the site uh they've broken off a lot of uh, former members have broken off and started their own new uh website form called uh videogamesage.com or video game sage it's video game sage. It's actually video game sage. Yeah, it's video game sage. <laughs> it's video game sage, not video game ages. Okay, and so they're starting their own form there. Um, so far, it's a little paltry in terms of, of you know uh, different offerings there. It's going to be tough though. I think to me, g- going from uh, Nintendo Age, you know, has has so much there into into a new f- a form. And I've never been a, a part of a site. Uh, religiously, where the form was coming to an end and then going to a new form, maybe you have been. I don't know how that affects the community. It never works. Never works. No, I, I mean, I and I've been. There have been a few. Um, there have been a few forums that I've I was part of that I I posted in regularly in the late nineties and up to the mid two thousands. And every time one of those forums ends and everyone's like, "We're migrating over here," no one ever does. Um, and it's funny too because it, it, it's it, it, it's interesting to me how comfortable people get in forum in a certain forum. It becomes like a home, and uh, you know, not all those people are like hardcore online. Uh, they don't they don't always find a new place. They just fall off. Um, I've spent you know I used to spend a lot of time like looking around various forums to find the people that I used to talk to on 
you know, old video game and music forms, thinking that naturally they must be migrating someplace else too. But you don't. A lot of those people, you just you don't run into again. So it sort uh, of loses it lo- loses the luster. Yeah, and you go to another site. It's like, eh, okay, I've had enough. Playtime. I over. mean, everything just from the visual look of it, I think, is something that when you when you're on a forum a lot and you're constantly. Um, you know, getting into the conversation and making posts and you're in threads, even something like the look becomes something that you associate with what you're doing. So I I think that even just like the visual aspect of it is a a big change for a lot of people. A lot of sarcastic responses in the thread from people. Oh, is this one one that threatened to kick me in the balls, this person? Could be. How are you going to manage handling the traffic for the eight people that are still members here so that they're going after these people. And we knew, of course, that this was a database sale when this happened, uh, mainly. They, they didn't care about the form. I mean, the, the value the value was in the, the right. database for Guild Collect, starting with a pretty robust database. And, of course, people in the thread argue, well, you could have you could have scraped that for free or get it from other sites that have scraped it for all the locations. There's lots of video game databases out there already, you know, price charting, uh, things of that nature that has a lot of this information out there. Even though the Tenderweights probably had a lot of it first, and they have a lot of the images and things like that. So that's really what the play is. But obviously, they don't want to go over the top and pissing off people. But um, the fact that it was only a, a, a week's heads up uh, to, alarmed a lot of people, and rightfully so, because they don't know what's going to happen. Uh, obviously, they won't be able to access the old threads uh, and post to them, but at least having those available as an archive will be important. So from what I saw, they, they are going to archive uh, and save the old database. I'm not sure how it's going to be accessible from the website directly or whatever. You have to do a search for to see Pat's arguments with with people about how sealed game collecting isn't really game collecting from eight, nine, ten years ago. That'll be fun. You know, it, it's a, it's a strange situation, and I'm not I'm not going to dance on Nintendo Age's grave at all when it comes to this. It's it's an important resource uh, here, even if there were a lot of bad apples that you know, I think were, were pieces of garbage that were on the site. Every um, forum is like that, though. Yeah, but they but they were running the asylum. That was the whole point. It got to the point where they ran the asylum when, when the whole when the Tim Atwood stuff came up, and, and they and they banned them. Oh, sure. Them. That that was bad. That was a watershed moment, and I got blowback for that, but I didn't care because they cleaned up a little bit after that point when it was pointing out how bad some of the mods were on the site with their own rules and things. Sure. And people and you know there was some uh, turnover. Um. Anyway, so I guess I guess we'll see what happens by the time this comes this segment comes out on YouTube. Then the new site might be up already. Because I said the end of the month and November first is on Friday, uh, there, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting situation. It's the end of an era. Uh, we knew Nintendo Age's quote unquote influence was sort of waning. They didn't have a a booth at PRGE this year for the first time that I remember, uh, because it's Go Collect now. There was a Go Collect booth instead, so that's basically how they're rebranding it. So Nintendo Age as a brand is pretty much going away, right? And I'm not sure, you know. It was it was Dane's baby. His site, he can do what he wants. I wonder if he knew what happened this quickly, you know. Where it's like the name doesn't it's not going to mean anything going forward, basically. Sure. With that, any, any last thoughts on our, our pals at, the, at Nintendo Age here? No. All right. Well, hopefully the old database uh, sticks around, so you can at least uh, do some searching there on there. All right, Ian. So, EA and Valve. Uh, have a partnership again. They're friends, they're pals. They're kissing cousins again. And EA games will be offered on um, Steam. Uh, I don't remember when this, when the last time this happened, uh, even if it ever did, um, I think I think this might be the first time. So you used to always have to go through EA's origin service. Now that's no longer the case. Uh, it's not 
real cut and dry though um so we just added this topic this morning so i'm catching up on it now um but here's here's what they had to say. This uh, this is from the Engadget article. What's the skinny? We are working with Valve and Steam to connect our friends lists together more effectively so that you can play together across multiplayer games regardless of which platform you're choosing to play the game on. Um, so that's nice. They're trying to make sure that everything is you know shakes hands nicely. It's crazy to me, though, that now even on PC there are multiple platforms. You can't just have a PC game and play with other people. That's what they're trying to do here with by, by putting themselves back on Steam, is try to integrate all that stuff, all their friends lists together, so that playing together with people who bought it from different stores don't have any Wait, issues. So you have a friends list that's that's obviously in your in your in your uh what, your shell, your launcher, right? But once you're in the game, you can still add whatever friends well, you want. Well, I think that's what they're trying to They're gonna make it easier on the outside. They're trying to make that easier on the outside. Yeah, well that makes sense. Um that said, uh, you still need. Uh, t- Whoop! Hey, that's me. You still need an EA account. Get to- up, you trash boy! That's how I wake myself up every nice morning. Nice, Ian. Uh, nice, Ian. That says a lot. Um, <laughs> you need to create an EA account if you haven't already done so to buy or access EA games on Steam. You also need to use EA's Origin Launcher during their setup process, I guess, to connect them. Uh, blank said, but once you've linked your accounts, you'll be able to launch your games directly from Steam. So that's good. It it's, integrates. It's still a weird extra couple of steps. It's it, it blows my mind that it, it's that you have to jump through that many hoops to install a freaking game on your computer. But why is this really happening, Ian? Potentially cynical, capitalistic Pat. They're launching their huge Star Wars game soon. Yes, and they know it's going to make them money. And obviously, people are going to buy it no matter what. But they want to maximize sales and make sure that they play happy with Steam and get it on there, and everything's copacetic. Copacetic. It, so. It, it really doesn't make any sense. It, I mean, unless you're being offered tons and tons of money, it doesn't make any sense to keep your stuff exclusive to your platform anymore, uh, especially on you know PC. And, especially and if you're Mac. EA and you don't yeah. need any bonus cash from anyone. You have all the money. Right. You just want as many people as you want to sell it. If you're if you're a small indie developer and and someone offers you uh, cash like like Epic Game Store, it's like yeah, I'll take the I'll take the, the guaranteed cash. Absolutely, it'll keep me in business for another three four years. I can make another couple of games with this money. I'd be dumb not to take that money. You so, know. other games that they've announced that they'll be doing this with, they'll be doing uh, releases on Steam. Um, Fallen Order, that's the new Star Wars game. Uh, Apex Legends, uh, FIFA 20, that's a big one. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, Battlefield 5, The Sims 4, and Unravel 2 will all be appearing on Steam in the future. And, and, and they did a cheeky little tweet to announce it. Uh, EA just tweeted out a coffee mug of EA with uh, Steam coming out at the top. Get it, Ian? Are you? I mean, it's, you get that? It, boy, it's, it's funny. Needs, it's it's two two giant corporations that are shaking hands. Is, is this late stage capitalism? Uh, yeah. How we, we treat these brands as like people on Twitter? Yes, it's I weird. think it's funny. I think it's funny. Um, sometimes it's done very uh, smartly and correctly, like Wendy's going after the other ones for having shittier, inferior products. And then doing awesome mixtapes. You hear the mixtape? It was all oh. funny for about a week, and then it all stopped being funny. No, By the time some... the mixtape dropped, it was done. It I was like the not mixtape. funny. Um, and, then there's, and then there's the super philosophical Steakums account that's like anti-capitalist, but they're, they're selling Steakums. You ever read that one? The Steakums one is... is, is it's, it's, it's really it's strange. Odd. Yeah. I, see. I understand the, philo- the philosophical background, but you're, you're, you're slaughtering cows and selling shitty meat products. I mean... 
I, I, whatever whatever floats your bill. I just think it's funny. It doesn't sync up in my mind. You know, the steakums were good as a kid, though, Ian. Oh, boy, they were they good. Tra- trash meat. Oh, I, 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 oh, I, lo- I love a steakums. I love a steakums. It's fine. I, is that, is that, are they available on the West Coast or is that an East Coast no, thing? You can, you can get them. I'm, well, I, I ostensibly. Steakums locator. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> we're going off the rails here. We're talking about EA and Steam. All right, let's finish up before uh, we got to move on here on this. So, um, yeah, it, it makes sense. I don't know if how uh, or EA games sold on Epic Game Store. I, I, I don't know. Who cares at this point? It, it's just it's a, it's another step in the battle of the PC platforms. Flex Pro Meals is a meal delivery company that sends healthy pre-made meals to your doorstep. They're yummy. Their goal isn't to give you salad, but epic recipes and entrees you may have grown up on. But they make healthier versions of eating healthy is a lifestyle change, not a two-week gimmick. So Flex Pro Meals goes the extra mile and gives the most value with realistic and tasty meal options at a good price. I'm sorry, what what, what you don't see during this ad is Pat here is dressed up like Batman for Batman. For, for Halloween. Uh, Flex Pro Meals offers a weight loss flat, fat, fat trimmer plan and a lean muscle larger portion plan. Some of their most popular meal entrees are smoked brisket mac, breakfast burrito, grilled fish and chips. Uh, some of my personal favorites. Favorites are the um, I like the chicken Caesar. I really like the uh, keto meatloaf. Um, He's the, going keto. The meatballs are good too. Um, so yeah, lots of good stuff. Uh, green veggies, delicious. Uh, for, so you can get twenty percent off your first order of yummy meals delivered right to your doorstep. Go to flexpromeals.com and enter code CU podcast. That's twenty percent off with code CU podcast at flexpromeals.com. Yeah, I'm Batman. All right, Ian. Um, Lion King. You can totally get steakums on at, at the Ralph Sun Rosecrans right now. Okay, that's great, Ian. I'm, yep. I'm glad you were you were just so in that. <laughs> Had to find out. <laughs> Ian. Yep. Uh, we have the the Lion King and Aladdin retro collections coming out soon on digital and on Switch. Actually, I'm going to give you the Switch copy to borrow. Um, you know, we we can we can do a little little maybe review of that next week on the podcast. Sure, because that comes out soon. But not to be outdone by by you know the, the new releases, we have physical so, versions of the old Lion King, Super Nintendo games, and Genesis game, uh, Latin games coming. I out. am Eight Bit is releasing uh, multiple. So I am Eight Bit is doing uh, a bunch of physical releases um, for this collection. They are doing a, a Super Nintendo themed. So they're. Um, the Switch game they're doing in a Super Nintendo style release with a box and a Genesis version in a clamshell. Um, those are going to come with full colored manuals and posters and all that. So those are the physical releases of the modern, you know, the the collection um, that they are doing. They are, however, also releasing um, cartridges of the original game. You'll get the uh, Lion King one is going to be a Super Nintendo cartridge release, and the uh, Disney's Aladdin is going to be the Genesis version, because that's what's on offer on the collection. That's right, they don't have the Super Nintendo Aladdin. Correct. Um, They are doing, uh, just like they've done in the past, they did the Mega Man and they did the Street Fighter. Mega Man 2 and then Uh, Mega Man X, yeah. Which are still available. They are, I'm going to get to that. Uh, they are doing so there's a base color and then there's going to be chase limited edition colors so there is a translucent red for the aladdin and the chase color on that is going to be um a a translucent purple and then with lion king hold on 
it's not just purple, Ian. It's the ultra-limited magic carpet purple glow-in-the-dark cartridge. It's funny that they say that, though, because then down here they call that purple rare purple gem glow-in-the-dark. So they, All right, they got to get their marketing. Their marketing uh, and, isn't right and, across and this is what this is what, But this is what they do with their releases. They make it a chase, like you said. So one in eight is going to be the ultra-limited cartridge. I hope that breaks. You've been abusing it all podcast. <laughs> so, and then the uh, Lion King is going to have the opaque Mufasa Marigold. Hold on. Opaque Mufasa Marigold, which is a gold cart, a flat gold. And then they're doing a translucent Serengeti Sunrise Glow in the Dark. Ultra limited. Good, it's dead. <laughs> no. It's ultra limited, and you get you get instruction booklets and artwork, and a custom dust cover, retro pack and surprises. I don't know what that is. That's probably stickers and a in a in a button. I don't know or pin. I don't freaking know. Um, and this is being manufactured by Retrotainment Games and Infinite NES Lives. And I, I know I know uh, Tim from Retrotainment Games. Fine folks there. Um, so these are both limited to forty five hundred each here. So so to me this this is a nice little offering. However, I, the, the chase thing kind of always rubs me the wrong way when, it, when something like this is done. Um, and the price point is an issue to me at ninety nine ninety nine. So they charge 100 for these. I don't like the chase. Um, they, uh, I think they totally overestimated the popularity of this when they did the X-Men game. Uh, X-Men 2 and uh, Mega Man X. Uh, and I spoke about it at length then. And um, basically stated that with the Super Nintendo, when they started you mean, with the you, mean, you mean Mega Man 2? Mega Man 2 and Mega Man X. Okay, you said X-Men 2. <laughs> so when they started this with the Street Fighter cartridges, they did a Street Fighter 2 release that was the sim- same way. 30th anniversary, yeah. They did not all sell out in the first day. It took about three days, I think, for them to sell out. Um, and that's, still- that's a long time. For something to take, for something that's you know technically limited to sell out. When you look online, um, when you look on eBay, uh, you can still get find those yes, cartridges sealed. <laughs> fucking taking it from you. No, um, you can. You can still find those sealed, uh, going for about the price they they, they came out oh, at, which okay, I right think now. was one thirty. Street Fighter. Um, when you see them up there, uh, when you see like the bidding on them, they sell for about eighty five. But there are still buy it nows that sell for about one forty for the sealed Street Fighter ones. Uh, they never sold out of the um, the Mega Man titles. Uh, you can still get the Mega Man titles right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll double check. They did uh, an addition of eight thousand five hundred for each of the Mega Man titles. Eighty five hundred Mega Man each. twos. And eighty five and eighty five hundred Mega Man X's, and you can still which I that's said way then, too many. Which I said then they are going to be sitting on forever. Even, even at sixty dollars, I think that would that's, be a tough. That's sale. not limit. Like it's limited to a number, yes, but that's not limited edition. There's nothing limited edition about eight thousand five hundred of, of an item, um, and I think they they misjudged. So they dumped these back down to four thousand five hundred each for the Lion King in the Aladdin. Um, I don't think they're going to sell them. I I don't. I, I, and I'm not wishing ill on IM8 bit because uh, it's nice to have these re-releases and I, I I think they're probably well done from what I see. I just think that a hundred dollars is a hard ask for something that 
I don't know that would retail usually other other places I don't like between to pick 40 companies, and 60. I don't like to pick companies against each other, but when you look at the the releases and the quality of the releases that a company like Retrobit has with say the um you know the the metal storm and the uh, you know like the the holy diver, and you look at this and you look at the price discrepancy, uh, you wonder why. Other than the fact that it's supposed to be limited edition and collectible, the regular the regular retro bit like standard stuff is thirty five dollars for like the Data East Classic Collection, which right. is a box. Uh, I'm not I'm not, the, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm not talking about those. Because, no, I'm just saying though that's just a sure. standard game. Sure, you know, but I'm, I'm talking about some, I'm talking about their, their nice sets. Sure, because that's what this is trying to. This, these are that's that that's the comparison but this is, to make. To me, it's not though, because this, this is not a collector set. If it just has a, a manual in a box, in like a pin. I, no, I get it, but I'm just saying, like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't compare it to the thirty-five dollar releases. But it's very, very valid to compare it to the sixty dollar releases they do, okay. and then these hundred dollar releases. And it, it's tough to. I I really don't know where they make up that extra. At forty. Well, here's the problem: they're they're outsourcing this, and you see it right in the in the page. They're right. manufacturing through someone else. Sure. So they're they're just they're just they're just basically buying the license to do these, and they're outsourcing all of it. I am eight bit. Yeah. Because they they do what they do albums, they do other stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah. Like I like a lot of their stuff. I own you know a, a number of their albums and other things. I just the cartridge releases seem. They seem like a misstep every when you time they announce them. When you don't do the work in house or have an in house connection. Uh, in-house partner, um, say like a limited run does, um, or a retro bit, the, the, the cost is going to be artificially inflated for the margin, of course. Because if they're hiring someone else, in this case, Retrotainment Infinite NES Lives to do the work, that's, that's a built-in cost. They're getting paid to do that work and then sure. delivering it to them to sell, to IM8-Bit. That could increase the cost right there, 20 to $30 easily. That's built in. They have to make up for, it. so that's the issue here. But even at Ian, even at sixty to seventy dollars, I think it's a tough, tough sell. I don't. I think at sixty I, to seventy, I, I think th- it's a tough sell. I, I, I think that forty dollars difference makes is is a big deal. Um, I think a nice box, a manual, a cartridge for something you really like, sixty bucks. I don't think that's difficult. I, I really don't. Okay, I think okay. sixty to seventy. I think it'll it, be it'd be it's hard to sell them out still. We've had a very different conversation. We've had con- this conversation before. Selling it out at four five hundred at forty five hundred probably uh, two thousand a piece. Two thousand a piece. Okay. Two thousand a piece. Sixty bucks. I think you're getting closer to selling them out. That's we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. That's but, what I mean. I, I still think you wouldn't sell forty five hundred out of sixty dollars. Oh no. No, that's what I mean. You're not. Gonna I don't know that you're going to sell forty five hundred at forty dollars. I think that that. I that's think, what I mean. I, I, I wasn't going to say no one's going to buy them. People I, I, are still going to buy them, but you're not going to sell forty five hundred. I, don't, at $60. I just don't know that the, there's that market necessarily for that. Yeah, many. that's the point. Be- because if people are satisfied, and plus these are not expensive games, the, the the experiment that I like with like the Metal Storm and things like that, those are expensive games to get the original version of. These are cheap. Cheap games to buy yeah, the cartridge up exactly, and that's always been, that's something we kind of touched on with with Mega Man as well. Is um, Aladdin's like a fifteen dollar game, cartridge only? Yeah, ten I, bucks. Actually, I, I, Genesis I, version. I think we sell that. I think we sell it lose ten bucks. And Lion King's probably less than that, right? Uh, Lion King's ten very, bucks. Very common. I, 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 yeah, they're all somewhere between ten and twenty. They're all common. To very, yeah. very, very common. Lion King sold sold millions. You know, on the Super Nintendo. So to get it in a classic, so to get it in a different color, I think, I don't think people are going to necessarily care that much. Yeah, I mean, obviously people love the Lion King and Aladdin, but there's not like this, like like how Mega Man has this like huge fan base of fans. You don't see that for like single Disney games, like to that same extent. You just don't. It's like, oh, it's cool. I played it when I was a kid, but I don't know. I think it's an overreach, I guess, with this. So. All right, so... 
Well, best of luck there, and, and hopefully they can sell a decent amount to keep it going. Uh, but Ian thinks it's gonna, they're going to sell about you know two thousand. He said, you know, he said two thousand each if they were like sixty dollars. You thought they would sell? I think. Like, I think. A li- I, I. I don't. Yeah. I think like a limited edition of like two thousand each at sixty. Anyways, moving on. Moving on. Can have the fucking mushroom back. <clears throat> don't touch my mushroom. What? <laughs> All right, Ian. We 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 like forgot to talk about this last week. About this, uh, this, this happened. It seems like this stuff drops usually right before an event happens. Uh, but this happened right before PRGE on October 18th. A million dollar retro game sale that happened um, in Denver. Man named Eric Nyerman uh, boarded a plane. This is a Washington Post article. Uh, okay, just to put that out there. Uh, I don't know how this happened. A dentist, Nairman, one of the world's most avid video game collectors, procured more than a, more than three dozen of the most sought after vintage games for one point oh two million. That's one million twenty thousand. That's insane. The sale was one of the largest in the hobby's still nascent history. I like that. It means rising. Uh, according to collecting experts, though no single source tracks such exchanges. All the games are factory sealed. And most are first edition releases that a third-party grading company said are one-of-a-kind, or at least one of only two or three, that remain in such condition that are known to exist in collectors' hands. Okay, Ian. Um, I'm really curious about how this got to the Washington Post. Um, That's really a strange outlet for something like this. Sure. Freelance writer Stephen C. Wright contributed to the report in the articles done by someone named Jacob Bogage, a national sports writer and blogger. Maybe he knows some of these people involved. I don't know idea how this gets on the radar. Uh, maybe it was leaked by people behind the scenes. It's in something like Heritage Auctions' best interest that this information gets out there, that, like the big sales, like like the million dollar, you know, the hundred thousand dollar suit Mario Brothers stuff like that. So, so these were. Um, Sticker sealed black box games and early Nintendo releases like that. He's holding in the picture uh, a, a, an original uh, arcade Mario Brothers, arcade Mario Brothers nine point two, and then a Gumshoe nine point two. Good old, good old Gumshoe. Good old gumshoe. Um, I'm just going to read the article with the additions from Denver, uh, Narman, and a small group of partners called the Video Game Club. Obtained sticker sealed black box copies of Nintendo Entertainment System Mario Brothers Arcade Edition. The two known copies of Golf that are stickers. There's only two sticker sealed Golfs that we know of, really, that are still sealed. And the only known copy of Balloon Fight and the only known copy of Gumshoe. So this is a club. So this means that this is an investment group. Let's not call it a club anymore. Right. This is an investment group. Exactly. And and there was an investment group that bought the $100,000 Super Mario Brothers sticker seal. That was, what, the second uh, edition one. These are investor groups. And this is what happened with uh, Magic Cards and Pokemon Cards. And you get groups of people that come together and invest in this stuff. Yep. Which is fine. I'm just, let's call it what it is. It's not a club anymore. It's an investment group. Um, they're, they're, not, they're not having their Tuesday clubhouse meetings, you know, going over their sealed games, you know, sitting on wooden benches. That's like a ra- little rascals thing now. Anyway, uh, the purchase from three collectors who spent... 52 combined years amassing the items is a watershed moment for the hobby, experts say. Who are the experts? We'll get into that. Both in terms of the number of games exchanged and the price point in which Nairman purchased them. These are some whole some of the holy grails and cream of the crop in terms of of, of having this historic value, said Dennis Kahn, president and chief executive of WADA Games. And I like Dennis, but... Hi, Dennis. I, hi, Dennis. What's going on? I, I just think it's funny that now we have to shift... We have to shift the goalposts, Ian. 
Pat's shifting the goalpost closer to you in terms of what's a holy grail video game item. We're shifting the goalpost a little bit. Because now, Ian, it's not just... Hey, we're not shifting. No, we're, we're creating. We're creating new goalposts. We're okay. creating new goalposts. We're fascinating. That, that's new, what's been... That, that's uh, what... Ever since... Ever, and, and that's fine, but it, it's, that's, that's the big difference. It's ever since, you know, uh, WADA got... Uh, basically became the standard. And good for them. A year ago. Um, yeah. Ever since they became the standard and the heritage auction stuff happened, we're not, we're not moving goalposts. We're creating new goalposts, but using the same... Catch terms, yeah, the same, the, the same ball. Uh, it's it, it's it's video games, but it's a completely different hobby. Yeah, because I I don't think any uh, his- or it feels like a completely different. It's hobby. a different hobby. Uh, historically, no video game collector would tell you that uh, balloon fight or gumshoe or the original NES black box golf would be holy grails in any in any sense of the word or any fashion because they are. Very common games, well, golf is, and balloon fight and gumshoe are not that, gumshoe is uncommon, but not that hard to find uh, here. So it's the state of these games that are, is what's interesting to right. Harry's we're, co- we're collecting state and condition, not yes. games. Not, yes. Um, yeah, they bring up the, the $100,000 Super Mario Brothers in this article. It's a classic case of supply and demand, said Valerie McLecky, uh, the video game consignment director at Heritage Auctions. Demand is increasing. More people are coming interested. And these games are not easy to find in this condition. That's what's driving the market growth at this point, and people get competitive. Jesus Christ, can we get people that comment on this stuff that do not have a vested interest in, in, in saying these things? That's, that's my problem that, with these articles. And that's what I would like to. Every, everyone who's correct, anyone who's quoted as talking about and, and this has been going on for the past year, people who are quoted and talking about this are the people who stand to make the most from it. Holy shit! Heritage Auctions makes like twenty percent on these auctions. So, so they wanted to pump up this. I, I'm sure uh, Valerie's a nice person. I can guarantee you that Ian and I know a lot more about video game collecting than Valerie. I'm does. not going to go out and say things like you're not going to guarantee but... it. I'll guarantee that Ian knows more about video game collecting. I don't know the person, <laughs> so I'm not going to make assumptions. This is the point, though, Ian, that these experts are people that work for these companies. Sure. They are now the experts at this stuff. Right. The people that a year and a half ago didn't give a shit about these games. There was no auctioning on this stuff two years ago. It didn't exist. And now they're experts at it. That's the point I'm trying to make here. Uh, As the video game collecting industry grew during the late 2000s, hobbyists gravitated towards the games with which they grew up. In video gaming short history, those were also some of the first console games in the market. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Uh... With third-party grading services entered the hobby, uh, when collectors finally had an objective measure of one game's value versus another's, similar to the system that had been placed for years in baseball card and comic book collecting. Well, no, we always kind of knew because there was always eBay, and we always kind of knew uh, when something exchanged hands privately, and that's and actually something that none of these, none of these, um, uh, like uh, game value now, games value now, and price charting never, never uh, had a lot of the private sales. Uh, integrated into the site, which is uh, something I, I brought up to the head of price uh, charting a couple years ago. I think they started to do them here and there. That's what baseball cards and comic books 
always uh, hung their hats on is that they had to include private sales because they started making their guides back in the you know the 80s and 90s when there wasn't eBay. So sure. that's they had to have people scour yes. uh, conventions and find out and ask people what are these uh, baseball cards and comic books selling about. And uh, video games has been backwards. It's always been mostly public eBay sales with people in the know knowing okay privately we know that NWC sold for that through Nintendo Age or something. It's always been backwards uh, that. And they ask John. Oh, John Hancock gets a he gets a quote in here. It comes in waves with the ba- with the waves. Says what I always say about collecting. It's it, it comes it, in waves, it's, but it's right. But the waves build upon each other. Said John Hancock. Fifteen to twenty years after a console comes out, the people who grew up on it get their get their first real jobs, have a little bit of disposable income, and decide to start collecting. We're already starting the uh, PlayStation Two and Wii wave. The first drug that's taken people's money is nostalgia. That's what happens. Which is interesting though, because that doesn't coincide with the games that are bought here though because this is 35 years later so this is sure. something different yeah it's because it's, it's it's different it's not people getting nostalgia that was my argument before about people getting nostalgia for games then you have to have it sealed and slab yeah what john says it, there is right about collecting in, in general, general but it's different for this uh it has given the uh, rise to a niche industry of retro gamers who record themselves playing vintage video games on sites such as Twitch and YouTube. It's only natural, I suppose, but I just play the games that matter to me, said Jason Lindsay, who plays under the name Middle Jesus Rocks. Going on and on and on and on and on. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, I'm not going to read the, the, the rest of it uh, here unless you want to uh, look at a, a comment that you like. No, we're good. Um, here. Um, oh, I will say this, because this, I always slap back at this. Uh, let's see. Judging from everything I've seen in collecting over the years, there's no reason there's no reason that this shouldn't develop into a hobby like baseball cards or comic books. And Nairman said, again, the guy who just invested in the stuff telling you this stuff's going to be like comic books and baseball cards. Yes. I mean, comic books, this is quotes, I mean, comic books, you tell me what they have that a video game doesn't. They have the box art. They have the same nostalgia. If comic books can't, can sell for one million, there's no reason a video game shouldn't be able to do the same. I guess in theory you are correct, but there's entirely different set of, 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 of conditions of comic book collecting versus game collecting. And again, you're you're trying to make it different when I say that ninety nine percent of video game collectors do not need a graded kid Icarus in order to, to satisfy their soul, that's the difference. There's no there's no, you know, a, a sealed action comics number one versus an a, an action comics number one that'll appeal to someone else. They're all action comics number one. Yes, the condition varies, but it's one the item's the same. And with with Kid Icarus, the cartridge and a complete in box and a, a sealed a game to ninety nine percent of collectors, they are materially the same exact thing. And that's what sealed uh, collectors and people promoting this are trying to draw in the others in order to agree with them about that. No, uh, these are different entities here. All right, anything else to add here? Or are we good? I'm good on that topic forever and ever. Forever and ever. Uh, a rare game. NES game was just dumped for the first time, and it happened at PRGE. And I actually saw it broken out of its slab, Ian. It's uh, Super Gun by NTDEC, or NTDEC. Uh, when you see the cartridge, and we're going to link to the, the Twitter thread for our, our friend Frank Savaldi at the Video Game History Foundation. Um, they're the folks that did the Caltron slash Myriad 6 and one Ian. Yep, they did the Caltron 6 and one um, Super Gun did have a Famicom release, uh, and uh, apparently that was very, very rare uh, to begin with. In fact, I think there's, the, only no, one, there's only one known 
There's only one known? Wow. I'm looking right here. Super Gun was released as a standalone commercial cartridge. Oh, okay, no. Came the 60-pin Famicom version, and here's the only one I can find a picture of, but there was also a 72-pin okay. NES release in some place. So it wasn't a licensed Famicom release? No, no. Okay. Um, so it, the Caltron 6-in-1 um, was NTDC's like main release over here. There was supposed to be a Caltron nine and one that never came out, but there was a known proto- but there was a known prototype of it. Damn it! Um, that prototype was in someone's hands, and they took it to Portland, broke the prototype, broke open the the graded case. So basically, whoever had this first graded it before dumping it. Then it was sold to uh, this person who took it to uh, Portland. Let me see if I can get the name here. Uh, Sean. Sean Fontenot is the one who uh, brought the uh, Caltron 9-in-1 to Portland, uh, had the case broken open, and had the game dumped. It was uh, Archon 19... That I don't know. 81? I guess. Maybe. Um... So it's the first time that this game has been dumped. There was a uh, private dump of Super Gun, um, but it was not allowed to be released publicly. It was uh, dumped and preserved, um, and it was allowed to be like dissected and looked at, but it was not allowed to be released. Comparing the two games to each other, um, Frank says that it is... Um, oh, Sean's not Archon 1981. Okay. That's Steven. I got the S names okay. mixed up. Um, so that they are basically the same, except for uh, the uh, copyright text on the title screen is uh, different. That's it. Uh, he says here, someone, not me, with access to the original, says that it's very likely the only change is the copyright text on the title screen. So this 901 had the, had the super gun on it, and it was it was hard to get a hold of it. From, from this thread, there was a Japanese collector that, that had it available, but they couldn't get a hold of it to dump the Japanese one. So um, the nine games on this, this... Let's go over the list. Skate Boy... Dream Fighter, Tank, Super Gun, there's a Super Gun, Magic Block, Go, Benny, Sea of Dreamland, Destroyer, and Hit Marmot. I want this, I want th- I want to play Hit Marmot. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can. I, I, uh, I, the only game on that list well, Super that, Gun. that was not previously dumped elsewhere is uh, Super Gun. I, I, I just want to play Hit Marmot now, though. Yeah, I'm almost positive I've played Hit Marmot. I've got to look it up. <laughs> Do you hit a Marmot, Ian? And I think you, like, you're a hit man, but a hit Marmot. Oh, you don't hit a Marmot. Uh, I, was, I was thinking of Whack-A-Mole. Oh, nope, nope, it's a Whack-A-Mole game. It's a Hit Marmot. I want to be, be the Hit Marmot, though. You want to be a Hit Marmot. I want to be a Hit Marmot. That'd be a Hit Marmot. That'd be a Hitman moment. <laughs> anyway, so um, it's a it's uh, as for the game itself, it's a standard shooter, vertical shooter. It's an average looking game. That's what it is. Okay, what? you are you do play as a, it, it, it's whack a mole, but with uh, the zapper. Okay, that sounds familiar. Yeah. So back to Super Gun. It's a standard. I watched some the YouTube footage that uh, uh, Frank put up of it, um, and it's a standard vertical shooter. You get power ups. Um, you know, you sort of build the power-ups. You start with a standard pea shooter, then you get uh, like a laser, then you get like these boomerang-looking things that fly out, and then as you get hit, Ian, your power-ups go down, which is the best best way to do a shooter, by the way. No one-hit-death BS. You just power your ship down a couple times before you get killed. I'm and fine with one-hit deaths. No. Anyway, <laughs> bad. It's bad if it's hard. Um, and it looks fine. It, it doesn't look broken at all for the, from the gameplay. And um, the, the the stages though went very very long. I was watching it after five minutes. I was like, "Oh, this is the same exact background still going on." Like they should really cut the cut the length of this game down a little bit. Very long game for for like a an unlicensed shooter. And what's cute about it, uh, since it's Caltron, it's the same exact Caltron 
unique Caltron six and one cartridge shape. Right. That that that's adorable there. So it, it's good that uh, we got this nine one um, multi cart to dump. Uh, thanks to Sean uh, Fontenot for that. Fontenot. Uh, Frank's takeaways from his lecture on Twitter. He said, "Game preservation is weird sometimes." Uh, maybe be cool and nice to our collector friends before you call them hoarders. They're the ones who actually have this stuff. And of course, don't un- don't slab undump games. What the fuck is wrong with you? Well, you know, people don't think about this sometimes. Maybe Sean didn't realize that there was a game on there that wasn't dumped. Sean or- wasn't the one who slabbed it. Oh, oh, he just got it. That's, okay, I believe that's how he purchased it. Was slabbed. Gotcha. Okay, so that person didn't know or didn't care about it. They just slabbed it uh, there. Well, that's a that's a well. It's a good. It's a good. It seems like once a year something like this happens in at at uh, Portland. Yeah. Two years ago, it was the uh, the Sim City uh, NES game. Did something happen last year? Not that I'm aware. of. I'm sweating in this Batman mask so much, but I'm I'm going with it. I'm over halfway through with it. So so yeah, check out the the footage. Did you see the the footage on on YouTube at all? No. It's, it's it's on top of the thread there. I did not. The game is an hour and a half long. That's insane. For any shooter that's long, but for one that. It's just an you can tell it's an unlicensed game. Sure. Caltron game. I mean, this isn't Action Fifty Two where it's unplayable. It's just a little bit long to, to for an hour and a half. The stages are like twenty minutes each. It looks like Oh, there's cutscenes. There's a little cut uh sequence or little image there. That's I remember the sense. first time I played like a, a modern arcade shooter, you know, like from I don't know, it's, I think it was like Gunbird. And I was like, Oh, these levels are kind of short and now I like I love shooters. It's my favorite genre. But if a shooter level goes on for longer than like a minute and a half, it's too fucking. Well, not a minute. <laughs> no, I mean honestly, <laughs> a lot of bullet hell shooters have very short levels. Well, that's bullet hell. That's a that's I mean, different though. That's like you're constantly. Moving I don't. I, I don't want super long levels in a shooter. Yeah, these these are long. Even though like the, the, the background changes, you're, you're just this. It's like the same enemies coming at you for the most part, from what I saw. And uh, okay, well, it'd be nice to. Oh, I think the ROM's not released though on this. Is it, is it not released? Uh, on this one, I want to play a Caltron 901 now. That could be a follow-up NES Punk review. Ian, we can get we can do it at the store again. Mm-hmm. Like we did uh, nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Remember that? That was fun. Mm-hmm. No, no, nah. no. Okay, <laughs> Pat, we have a Patreon. Why don't you tell the folks at home about the Patreon? Well, Ian, at the Patreon, you give us money for stuff, right? Is that how it works? More or less. Uh, it's patreoncom podcast. Ian has a weekly writing there, a monthly hangout, and you can vote on the weekly Patreon poll. Maybe we should bring back the uh, the, the voicemail thing. That could be fun. I mean, a, no, you that was a horrible idea. That never maybe not worked. A, maybe not a question answer, but just like get a comment in. Uh, sure, a, a short comment like the you know, radio shows do the call in hotline. Thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, in third place at seventeen percent, what's the dream convention panel you would l- want to see? Oof. Twenty five percent second place. What pinball slash arcade games would be in your dream arcade? So hang on. And number one, fifty eight percent strong. Halloween Candy Debate 2019. We haven't done this in a couple of years, at least. So it seems like I don't know what the debate is here. I guess just discussion. Yeah. So uh, I am going to plug my other podcast, Extra Napkins, where we do a whole episode on this. Um, wow, Ian. Okay. A whole episode. Submarine the 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 topic. Um, but uh, I, as, as time has gone on, I uh, my, my, I'm going to sum this up. This is how I feel about Halloween candy. Kit Kats are my favorite, and Reese's peanut butter cups. And Skittles used to be in that top, that that rarefied air, but changes to them over the years have uh, totally uh, just. I, I'm disinterested. What well, they, they haven't changed the peanut butter taste. They definitely made them smaller. They made the, they made them smaller peanut butter cups. It's it's the size, it's the ratio of peanut butter to chocolate, but the chocolate itself just seems like it's trash. Either that or 
there's a freshness when it comes to a peanut butter cup. True. Uh, a very fresh peanut butter cup. The chocolate has a little shine to it. You can almost snap the peanut butter cup. The True. peanut butter is extra creamy. It's like an enamel. The chocolate, ha- <laughs> the chocolate melts, but it's not. It's not like a. It's not a mush. Peanut butter cups, as they get older, the difference in the texture between the peanut butter and the chocolate, um, it. It it, it it becomes it just it's it, it's like eating a puck of mush. Like eating have a, they started using less uh, less chocolate in a peanut butter cup? No, the I, layers been different. At least be a I thicker think layer. I think they're using more chocolate in the small ones now, and it's a shittier chocolate. So when you eat them, what's going one, on? I can't tell the difference between the the, the the difference between the peanut butter and the chocolate becomes harder to differentiate between. Um, the texture is all wrong. And it, it, it's a shame because ideally a peanut butter cup is one of the finest candies on the planet, but it's oh. just bad. It's not I'm, good. It's not. It's it's. They're not good anymore. So I mean, I would. I, I I still think they're good. I still think they're good. I do agree with you though that it, it has changed. They've definitely in- decreased in size by about by about twenty five percent the diameter. Well, well, so so you, you you can still if you look hard enough you can find the fuller size ones, but most of the ones that you get for Halloween they're. The single size ones. I, I they're swear smaller. They're, I swear they're specifically manufactured for it. And yeah, you're not getting the tiny little button ones. Those are those suck. The tiny button oh, ones. No, no, but those are different. But, I don't even. Those no, are peanut butter cups. But but you're. But yeah, the, the they're the, small. The single ones are. They are a smaller diameter than what they used. Singles to be. used to be just half of a regular package. It used to just be one peanut butter cup yes. instead of two. Now it's a smaller peanut butter cup. Now now it's a dwarf peanut butter cup you're getting. Because you used to be able not to put one in your mouth. At least for me. Now, now it's hard to do that. It's mushy dog shit. Uh, however, though, Ian, this is getting into Easter candy. The 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 Easter egg peanut butter cup shape that still tastes the same to me. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's so that's different to me. It's fine, and you can get, and, and, and the Christmas tree. Don't that forget they the Halloween pumpkin. And, uh, that's they're, new. That's they're, new with the Halloween pumpkin. Those have been around forever. Really? Ever since I was a kid. Why would you go for that though? When there's regular peanut butter cup for Halloween candy. Well, no. The question is why you should be going for the pumpkin and not but, for well, the regular. The point peanut is this, though: those because to me have, those are good. Those, those have, have always a proper tasted, ratio. Those always tasted the same, though, since I was a kid. Especially the Easter egg one. It was yeah. only as a kid there was only the Easter egg one, right? And then there was also the uh, the tree. Well, it goes back to the freshness as well. I'm not so much that sure, certain that things have changed, but when, when are we getting are we getting old peanut butter cup ingredients on these little singles? Maybe it's possible because Her- the singles, Hershey's. Are, what are you the doing? The singles are not themed. Not always. The individual, the the Christmas trees, the Easter eggs, the pumpkins, um, those are themed. So chances are highly likely you know you're getting them from a set production period. You're getting a fresh pumpkin because it's it's, it, all, it's, it's only done for that. Yeah, batch. you're getting a fresh egg because it's seasonal. I think we're getting old ingredients on these on these dwarf peanut butter cups. I think, I think that's what just happened. They're leaving they're leaving their uh, the good stuff for the full size ones they charge two dollars for, or the king size was it king size five of them or whatever the fuck it is. Bobby across the street used to get the king size one. He never let me have one. But peanut butter cups are too touchy. They're, they're a very touchy candy, and as I've gotten older, I realize I only want the most perfect peanut butter cups. So and, you don't, uh, you don't want to deal with the mini little little no, little those are, those ridge are ones. Fucking awful. I don't think they're that bad. Put them they, in they, a, they taste closer to the, the seasonal ones. Chop them up and put them on top of a sundae, or put them in a cookie or something. And we're good, but I don't. They're, they're not. They're not good for standalone eating. Okay, this is turning this into a peanut butter cup That's, conversation, which is fine because it's a, it's one of the best candies ever and created. Um, I, I'm pretty much a chocolate, except for Skittles and Starburst for for my sure. fruit, fruit candies. That's pretty much where I lie uh, on my Halloween candy. And that's historically how I've been. 
I do not eat enough Starburst in my life. Whenever I have a Starburst again, I'm like, this is the best thing ever. Starbursts are delicious. A lemon so Starburst is a, is a magical thing. Any of them, though. Sure. Because the, the, there's like real juice in there. It could be only 3%, but there's like real juice inside of there. They're always fresh. There's never, never a dry Starburst no. after you put it in your mouth. Skittles are always good. Um, so that's it for... That's really it to me for fruit candies. I hate... I don't like licorice that much. I see, I'm a big nerds fan. It gives me... Nerds are okay. I'll give you nerds. Nerds are good in moderation if you're into the sugar rush. They're fine. Um, I used to be a big Jolly Rancher kid, but I, I couldn't... I couldn't... I couldn't do that anymore. I freaking loved Jolly Ranch. I can't as a do it kid. anymore. I grew out of it. It's not so much that they're too sweet. They're too the, sweet for me. The taste is fine. It's the the texture. It's how sticky they are and how jaw clenching. Like it's all that. It's just corn syrup. It's just corn well, of course syrup. it is. It's the yeah. worst thing for you. It like I, I don't like how they make my mouth feel after I eat one. Like ass. It's it, it's just it's this, like a war zone in your mouth. Yeah, it, it's just this sticky tar covered fucking nightmare. <laughs> And I have to scrub my teeth for eight years to get it out of there. I, yeah, I can't do Jolly Ranchers anymore, which is a shame because uh, I really loved the old-timey, not even the tiny ones, but the bars. Like the Jolly Ranchers bars. They still make the bars? Yeah, you can still find them. like that? They're like four or five inches? Yeah, it's like a sucker without a stick. It's like, you know, they were like a fucking okay. nickel or a quarter. I, I, I like those. I take it back. about the. Fr- it's not really fruit-flavored. Dumb Dumb Pops, that's not really fruit-flavored. They only have some. And, and, um, and uh, Dumb Blow, Dumbs are great. Blow Pops are always good. I like Tootsie Pops, too. I can't stand Tootsie Roll Pops. Really? Because I'm reminded of a blow pop, and I'd rather have the gum than a Tootsie Roll. Mm, see, I, don't, I don't mind Tootsie Rolls. I was, I was, Tootsie Rolls Tootsie Rolls to me were like, whenever you're sorting out your Halloween candy, you dump out the pillowcase, you couldn't see how many Tootsie Rolls you had because they're so tiny, the little guys. Sure. Sometimes you get like the what the, the, the full like one-inch ones. Usually you get the little you know half-inch ones, right? Or now they're probably like a third of an inch. Toss in the bottom. They're like bonus candy. Right, right. You never, you never really want to ask for, or you never really want Tootsie Rolls when you go when you go trick or treating. But it's a nice little bonus. Throw me a handful, and I'm good. Right? That's how I was. I like Tootsie Rolls. And then, yeah, but not the Tootsie Roll pop. I I never liked the the combination of like a cherry pop with a Tootsie Roll. Ah, see, I love t- that. No, I never was into that. They still make them, right? Tootsie Roll pops. Oh yeah. They still, and, oh, yeah, I still buy them every once in a blue moon. But let's let's, let's get on the main event. The main event is chocolate. And by the way, go 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 fuck yourself if you like candy corn. Candy corn is awful. And, or, or even worse, and you know what? I'll, I'll give you a little bit of candy corn. Circus peanuts. I never understood the appeal of circus peanuts. And people would give those to me at Halloween. I've never well. once received a circus peanut for Halloween, but I would be very upset if I did. First of all, they're not usually individually wrapped. They're just like loose yeah. circus peanuts. I know where your grubby hands have been, 85-year-old woman down the block. I'm not going to deal with that, first of all. I'd rather, I'd rather you give me the, the Charleston Chew. That you ate in 1940s that no one has eaten in the last 50 years. They somehow still make Charleston shoes. Who eats, a tra- who eats Charleston shoes? Charleston shoes are delicious. All who eats that flavors. crap? Vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. They're all good. How do you chew a Charleston chew? Slowly. How do you do it? Slowly. It's just a, it's why it's hard, called a chew. A hard caramel, like, like, like shield. It's more of a nougat taffy type of deal. Uh, whatever it is, it's awful. I'm sorry, the Charleston <laughs> chew. Can't do a Charleston chew. Um... Yeah, candy corn gives, gives me a headache. It did as a kid. I'd eat like a little bit. It would give me a headache for some reason. I think the fact that it was just pure corn syrup, my, I just couldn't process it. I always no like, sugar. It was just corn syrup. Around Halloween, they make... Um, the, like the I haven't had one in ages, ones. but they made the pumpkin shape yeah. ones. I liked those. I don't know why. I, they were slightly wider and fatter, so the consistency was slightly different. I, I, I just, enjoyed them. They gave me headaches. I can't explain it. 
And, and, and again, candy corn was usually loose out of your fucking hand. They did make individually wrapped little bags. Yeah. But for, when the I was my the, the little condom sized yeah, packets yeah. of candy corn. Yeah, get out of here. I, I know it's the cheapest candy, Grandma. It's usually the older women that get that out. Get out of here. Give me, give me a fun size Snickers or something. And I'll tell you what about the fun size bars. They're they're, they're not fun size anymore. It's all about drop. You think that you think the peanut butter cups got smaller? The fun size used to be like half a Snickers bar. Now they're like like barely two of like the the bite size. Snickers. I was going to say it's amusing because they they're they're just slightly bigger than the bite size. Yes, one. it's like they just took the bite size one but made it rectangle shape instead. Fun size candy bars used to be fun. They're not anymore. <laughs> they're no longer fun. You got to eat three of them to make up what they used to be. And of course, Milky Ways and Three Musketeer bars. You get the trifecta. I am not a hardcore Milky Way suck because Snickers exist and why why have a Milky Way when you have a Snickers? I'm not like that. I understand that everyone likes. I think peanuts. A mil- I think a, I, I like peanuts, but I think a Milky Way it's has, fine. It has a perfectly valid reason for existing. It, it does, but I'm never going to have a Milky Way over over uh, a Snickers. What about a Milky Way dark? Never had one. Oh my god, they're so fucking good. Well, dark chocolate's dark chocolate's the key to life because it's actually it's, healthy. So it's, it's 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 vanilla nougat instead of like this like it's like a very like bright white like very vanilla y nougat with okay. caramel and then dark chocolate. They're they're phenomenal. Now, Three Musketeers, I think, are underrated. Three Three Musketeers is like a palate cleanser of chocolate. Smooth, I like I like a Three Musketeers lighter chocolate, not too heavy. I like one. It's a nice palate cleanser there. I uh, I like them. Um, my the the one that I would never eat that I I hate when I get it in my bag is um, Baby Ruth. Baby Ruths are rough. I don't like Baby Ruth at all. Baby Ruths are a little rough. Um, I can eat a Baby Ruth. Butterfingers I eat, then I'll regret them because they're in my teeth for the next five days. I love Butterfingers. They're I just don't like the aftermath of a Butterfinger. The aftermath is, is cavity scene. That's the aftermath of Butterfingers. The aftermath. It's the only bad. candy that somehow... Your body has problems chewing and digesting. Like, your saliva does not take that out of your teeth. It's just stuck in there forever. Yeah. It just is. Now, I will say this. you I cannot eat a full Butterfinger because at that point, my teeth would be encrusted with it. I wouldn't be able to chew through oh, it. No, 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 you got to do a bite size. A that, little, that is, that yeah, is actually size. a problem that no. uh, I, I have. Like, if you eat a full Butterfinger, you, you realize that your teeth are working less effectively yes. about 33% of the yes. way through because they're coated in this shit. <laughs> You have to brush your teeth halfway through. We didn't brought up Twix bars, Ian. I love a Twix. Why? Ha- why has the peanut butter Twix died out? Uh, why it, is it's, it? It's not dead, dead. But why is it not in favor anymore? Why is it not advertised? Why is it harder to buy? I don't know. I, I, in the eighties, we were kids. It was half and half: ca- caramel yep. and peanut butter. They were both advertised heavily. Then in the nineties, peanut butter disappeared almost entirely, what? if not completely. And what then, the hell? And then they brought it back, and now you can still find it. But yeah, they don't. Uh, they don't tout it very, very much. I don't see it when I go out. Do I have to look for harder for it? Uh, I haven't looked for To be fair, I haven't looked for a peanut butter Twix in a while, but I feel like they're still out there. What's going on? What's go- who makes- but that is easily the better of the two Twix. Is that Mars? Bars. Is that Mars making that? I love a caramel Twix as well, but a, a peanut butter Twix is, is very special. I think that's Mars. Anyway, that's a, that's, a, that's a shame. And then we can get into like you know the, the stuff that's died out, like uh, goobers and malt balls, which I, I don't like that stuff at all. Not into the malt stuff. Malt balls are really good if you get yeah. a good one. The problem is most of them, especially Whoppers, are dipped in the waxiest shit fake chocolate you can get. What's the difference between a goober and a Whopper? A goober is a peanut butter, is a, is a peanut. 
Oh, it's a peanut? A goober is a chocolate-covered peanut. Oh, I never had a, a goober, ra- then. A raisinette is Nestle. a... Nestle. Okay. A raisinette is I a... I raisin. I think you were thinking of Milk Duds. I was, I was thinking of Milk Duds. Chocolate-covered caramels. I thought Milk Duds was, was, was malt. No? No. Whoppers are malt. Just Whoppers. Okay. Just Whoppers. Okay, I don't and like they, Whoppers. they are coated in absolute dog shit it, chocolate. It's in filth. I like Raisinets. I, like I love ch- Raisinets. I like, I like chocolate-covered raisins. They're not healthy at all. I'll eat a yogurt-covered raisin, did, too. Did and get, those aren't healthy, did either. You, did you get little boxes of raisins sometimes from creating? I did. Yeah, and I'd eat them. I'd eat them. It's, they're not healthy. It's just sugar. There's a fucking free snack that I controlled. <laughs> that, you that, control. that was my snack bag. So how, I took it. how often did it take, or how long did it take you to eat through your Halloween candy? Two weeks? Month? Honestly, as, mu- as much as I love candy, uh, I would often not finish it. It would get to the point where it just sat there for so long, I'd be like, eh. I, pa- I would get through most of it. I mean... My I, parents should have taken away from me and rationed it. They I, didn't. I would say probably two to three weeks, maybe a month. I, there were definitely no ends of Novembers where I still uh, had Halloween candy. Well, we were the hardcore, though, so we had we were like two pillowcases full. So it was sure. way too much for thick but quick, chubby little Pat. Way too much candy, and I would probably eat three to five pieces a day. It was probably too much. Probably you want to do one to two pieces a day. Or maybe like, you know, just a, the mini bag of Skittles and maybe like a you know a piece of chocolate uh, right there. We missed out on any, any big ones to forget? No, I think those are the main the main ones. Fifth Avenue bar? Never really got that that much. That was a rare one to get the Fifth Avenue bar. Yeah, it was usually like a... Because there was no fun stuff. size Fifth Avenue, right? There was a full no, one. There, no, there was. There was? Yeah, they just it was it was Hershey's, so it was a different shape, different size. And then I forget about what the... Uh, Chunkies were great. Chunkies are still around. I love a Chunkie. Chunkies don't get enough love out there. Nuts, raisins, chocolate, the, delicious. Just like the Cadbury one, the same, the same sort of ball. That, that fruit and nut bar. Fruit and nut bar. It's like the best combination ever. The one thing I always forget about, what was the, the, the chocolate-filled rolling... Rolo thing? Not Rolo. What the hell was the, was the peanut butter-filled uh, treat that was not a bar? It was in a roll with nuggets, uh, like nuts on the outside of it. You know what I'm talking about? What the hell was that? Uh, I don't think it exists anymore. Chocolate, peanut butter. Oh, I yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't remember what they were called. The Funked Bar. That's that. I always forget about that one, what, what that was back in the day. Or maybe I'm, I'm confusing two different candies. I think you are. Confusing two different candies? Yes. Confusing Chunky with something else? Now, anyway. there, was a, there was a peanut butter filled chocolate bar. I forget what it was called, um, but they 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 think it's not on the market anymore because it killed people because it was too because fr- <laughs> it was pure peanut butter inside a chocolate bar. You remember that? Mm, it was in the nineties. I don't. It was like a caramello kind of, but it was for. Uh, I mean, it sounds delicious. Butter. Anyway, sorry. It was not a hundred grand bar. That was something else. No, hundred grands are delicious. That's, every, that's almost caramel, every... caramel, crisp rice, milk chocolate. I heard recently that, that they don't make Nestle Crunches full size in the U.S. anymore. It's a Canadian only thing. I heard that nasty rumor, and we and Nestle crunches, uh, the fun size were fantastic. The two, hmm. I'll have to look and check that out because I'm not. I never. I ne- now. I never craved a full Nestle Crunch bar. The fun size were good enough for me. The, you know, two things you broke them in half. Right. They was always fun for me. All right. So that's it. Ian's got to call his, his uh, lift. Right. He's got to go to work. Got to go to work. But thanks for the patience. Work to work. That, that's that's simply we could go on, go on another ten minutes. We, that was our crash course can debate. Uh, so I'm sorry the peanut butter cup. Uh, the quality has gone down. That's very disappointing. It is. What, what are we doing, Hershey's? What, what are we doing? You're, you're sitting on a gold mine. Let's get the quality back up there. Come on. Let's do it. Oh, York peppermint patty is always good. Nice palate cleanser. Hey, we can agree on that. You can't always overdo a York peppermint patty. Uh, mini- Most people hate them. Toothpaste, no. toothpaste dipped in chocolate, but I love them. It's a, I can't have a full one, probably. I, I got to do the mini one. I can't do the full one. I love that feeling. 
of a York Peppermint Patty. It's like you're, you're alpine skiing. Those commercials were funny. Candy commercials were great back in the 80s, 90s. I don't think they still have them anymore. Let's just sell chocolate with all the five-year-olds and get them fat. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> Whichever way we can do it. All right, everyone. That was it for the CU Podcast. I'm going to be at Retro Game Con this weekend in Syracuse, uh, November 2nd and 3rd. Go to RetroGameCon.com for more information on that. And a certain NES guidebook will start shipping hopefully later in the week. Go to UltimateSNES.com. Regan Ferguson. I'm Batman. We'll see you next week. <laughs>